On July 6, U.S. District Court Judge James Bosberg issued a ruling requesting that the 1,172-mile-long Dakota Access Pipeline shut down for further environmental review by the Army Corps of Engineers. In 2016, both natives and non-natives set up camp to protest against the construction and finalization of the Dakota Access Pipeline project. The pipeline caused concern in contaminating the Missouri River, which is the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's drinking water supply. But the main reason for such widespread protests and a rise in news coverage seemed to be more on the general topic of indigenous people's rights to their land and preserving the tribe's heritage. The first protest camp was in April of 2016 at a spiritual camp called Sacred Stone. Members of the Standing Rock Lakota and other Native American nations stayed there. The numerous Standing Rock camps were all located about an hour south of Bismarck, North Dakota, with a mix of tribes, non-native supporters, environmental advocates, and reporters. I spoke with Assistant Professor of History and Native American Studies at IU, Liza Black, on the pressing topic of Native rights and why it is an issue that should be spoken about throughout our lives. Black has a PhD in history and is the author of Picturing Indians, Native Americans in Film 1941-1960, to which will be out in October. Currently, Black is working on a new project focusing on the crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous women. She is also a proud citizen of the Cherokee Nation. During the 2016 protests, Black was teaching Native American history at the University of California in Santa Barbara. She said that during that time, she followed closely on what people were doing both in person and on social media. She also brought her own thoughts to the classroom through her lectures and assignments. I just really tried to create awareness about the issue on social media by being connected to people who were involved on social media. And then I brought it into my teaching to both increase awareness and also sort of test them, literally test them on their understanding of the issues. After the heat that the protests had in the press died down, Black agreed that people paid less attention to the topic in the classroom because of how much it had receded in the media. Like you said, it just really receded in terms of media attention. It just really receded. And that's kind of when I started paying more attention to missing and murdered Indigenous women and started bringing that into the classroom more as sort of a replacement for Dakota Access Pipeline. So in terms of my involvement, I mean, that's really what happened, is that I kind of shifted in my own mind and in my own teaching towards that issue. Following the court order this year, Company Energy Transfer in charge of transporting oil in the pipeline made a statement expressing their clear opposition to stop work. Energy Transfer spokeswoman Vicki Granado stated that the company would still be taking orders to continue moving oil in August, despite the possibility of charges and consequences for ignoring these orders. Black stated that she wasn't surprised that energy transfer refused to comply with the law. She relates her reasoning to past examples in the history of struggles from Native people against the United States. I'm not the least bit surprised they're willing to do something illegal. I'm not in the least surprised. It's completely wrong that they would break the law, but that is sort of what America does, is it breaks its own laws. It creates laws about theft and crime, and then it breaks them to take Mm -hmm. indigenous land and to desecrate indigenous land. So this, this country is founded on a fundamental disrespect for native people, for native rights to land, and for native cultural beliefs about land and especially about the dead. There's just no respect for that. 
So I'm not at all surprised about any energy transfer's decision to continue with what they intended to do because there's such a long history of the United States being able to do whatever they want to Indian people and to Indian land. And that's why I believe they refuse to stop. They don't have to because this country is founded on the dispossession of Native people. When asked if there is a clear foreseeable future for the success of ancient Native tribes over the industries, Black stated, quote, As a historian, I can see how there will probably always be a struggle between Indigenous people and the United States, end quote. I can see how this will always be a struggle, that Native people will always be struggling to have their voices heard, to be seen by the media, um, and to be listened to by the media about the histories of, of their nations. So I see that as just a constant that Native people will be always having to fight for their rights to their lands. On the other hand, you know, there are many, many nations which have prophecies about a future in which Native people are restored. So I have to sort of, you know, pay heed to that as well. And I think that is part of what gives Native people this ability to protest indefinitely and protest in spite <laughs> of this horrible path of being completely and entirely dispossessed. Black expressed the issue of sovereignty seen in the Dakota Access Pipeline and how there seemed to be a big difference between the environmental activists at the protests and natives. She also emphasized the importance of treaty rights. How I see the Dakota Access Pipeline is I see it as an issue of sovereignty. So I see it not as an environmental issue. I see it as a question of the Lakota nations, all the Sioux nations, having the right to determine what occurs on their land and also having a right to have their treaties upheld by the American government, which created them and signed them. So those are sovereignty issues. Those aren't environmental issues. I mean, this could have been some other exploitation on the reservation by outsiders that was happening. But because it was an environmental issue, it drew in all of these environmental activists. So for the environmental activists, I felt like there wasn't as much interest on their part about the sovereignty issue. They weren't interested in looking at maps, talking about the Treaty of Fort Laramie of 1851. For them, it was about stopping the oil industry. For Native people, I think it was very, very different. For the tribes directly impacted, it was about the history of sovereignty. It was about upholding those treaties. And then for other tribal members who aren't from that region and aren't directly impacted by this, it's about sovereignty because if any tribe is able to advance their sovereignty, it becomes legal precedent for other tribes to advance their sovereignty. So that's why it's such an important issue is that if these tribes who are involved are successful, other tribes can then go to court about land issues and treaty rights for their own people. Black concluded the interview by stating her hope for success in the future for Indigenous peoples' rights. However, she explained that there is always a push and pull in this issue, bringing in the recent McGirt decision in Oklahoma, for example. As a citizen of a tribal nation, I really hope that they are successful and I hope that whatever success they obtain is kept. I mean, because honestly, my first thought when I heard that they had this victory was I thought it will get reversed. 
it will get reversed because so often there's a victory and it's immediately followed by a reversal because the powers that be catch wind of it and and they they sort of huddle and they push back and we can see this happening with the McGirt decision that the Supreme Court just ruled on that was a huge victory for the Muscogee Nation with having their reservation validated. But immediately the state of Oklahoma started calling in favors and pushing to make sure that this would not impact non-Native people in Oklahoma. It just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that there will probably always be a struggle. But I believe Native people will never give up. And I believe good people will assist them and support them in that struggle. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner. Thanks for listening.